0: That's a clown question, bro. Hi, Mr. So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He
1: gets on base.
0: Just a bit outside. I'm not the
2: type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle.
0: If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean.
1: And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. How you doing, Daniel?
3: You know, Chris, it felt weird not doing the intro this time, but uh, I guess we're back to normal now.
1: Yeah, you know, people wondered what a return to normalcy would look like in the past couple of days, and uh, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Yep. This is uh, this is what it is. Uh, today, we are talking about the twenty sixteen Cubs. Uh. And uh oh yeah, welcome to part two of the episode, by the way, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, we're talking the 2016 Cubs. This is probably our our best story or one of our b- better stories. This and the 1995 Mariners are unique in their own way. Yeah. this is just you know the biggest curse in history. But yeah, it's a, a very special team. We have a very special episode for it. That's right. Um, so we can we can just get right into it.
3: So we all know the story. Coming into 2016, the Cubs hadn't won a World Series since 1908. Teddy Roosevelt was president the last time they had won, and they hadn't been to the World Series since 1945. And their first glimmer of hope came the last season when they went 97-65, and 65, won the wildcard game and the National League Division Series, but then were swept in the NLCS by Daniel Murphy and the New York Mets. By the way, that's the 2015 New York Mets. You can check them out in part two of the of episode 45. So into the offseason, the Cubs were, they meant business. They signed John Lackey, a veteran starting pitcher, Ben Zobris, a second baseman who had just seen championship success with the Royals, and then Jason Hayward, a really good defender, stolen from an in-division team. They signed him to a seven-year, uh, $184 million contract. It was huge. Uh, but they also traded beloved second baseman Starlin Castro uh, for Adam Warren, a pitcher from the Yankees. And coming into spring training, this team had high hopes, and they were, quite honestly, the number one team in the National League. And they were looking good, obviously, but their leadoff hitter from last year, Dexter Fowler, was still a free agent. And, well, on February 25th, Cubs players came to training camp with a a nice surprise. Dexter Fowler is now back with the Chicago Cubs. So he was back, and beloved catcher David Ross announced before the start of the season that this would be his last. He would be retiring, at the at the conclusion of 2016.
1: So then uh, we go into pretty much the beginning of the season where the Cubs won their first two, kind of a preview of the hot start that was to come And in game three, unfortunately, we saw disaster sort of strike for the team early.
4: Left
5: center, Schwarber, this could be trapped.
0: Schwarber is
2: hurt on the warning track. Trainers are running out there. He collided with Dexter Fowler. And Segura's shaken up as well.
0: Kyle Schwarber is down. Well, you could almost see that coming.
4: That ball just tailing away from Schwarber as he was running full speed into that gap in left center. Dexter Fowler coming over from center field. You can see the dirt on Schwarber's
6: face he went down hard Both guys running at
4: full speed both guys thought they had a chance to make the play look like the left leg took the brunt of the contact there Schwarber still has his wherewithal to try to reach out and grab
0: that ball as it was rolling away. Dexter Fowler is a big man six five one ninety five almost at full speed
6: and he collided with Schwarber out there left leg
1: so that was uh Kyle Schwarber's regular season that was it he tore his ACL on the play and that injury would sideline him for the rest of the regular season and two days later uh Jake Arrieta sort of set the tone for how the cubs would respond to this early adversity
0: three two high fly ball into deep left center way back gone. that is a two-run homer for jake arietta what can't he do he has officially
5: entered Superhero status. Give that guy a movie deal. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm just getting ready to tip my hat for just having a good lengthy at-bat. Never mind.
1: So Jake Arrieta hits a two-run home run. However, it would not be the only home run that this pitcher would be hitting.
3: That's right. So this team got off to an absolutely comically great start. It was an absolute joke and on April 21st, Jake Arrieta, the reigning Cy Young winner, the guy who you just saw with the bat, was making his fourth start of the season against the Cincinnati Reds and looking to go 4-0.
2: Cubs ace Jake Arietta is out to make some history against the Reds on Thursday. Bottom two, he already has a 4-0 lead, he'll strike out Devin Mezzarocco and Adam Duvall. Let's jump to the seventh now, it's 9-0 Chicago, Chris Bryant belts a grand slam off Drew Hayes, it's Bryant's second homer of the evening and fifth for Chicago overall to make it 13-0, but that's not even the biggest story. Bottom seven, Arietta has a no-hitter working, he'll strike out Brandon Phillips to end the frame. In the it's Duval striking out to win that inning. And in the ninth with the score now 16-0. Eugenio Suarez is the last hope for Cincinnati. But Arietta gets him to pop out to the right side. Jason Hayward will put it away. And that's it. It's a no-hitter for Jake Arietta, The reigning NL Cy Young Award winner continues to dominate his second no-hitter in as many seasons, Chicago. Blank Cincy, 16-zip.
3: So Jake Arrieta throws his second no-hitter in as many years. He became the second Cubs pitcher of all time to throw two no-hitters. The other one was Ken Holtzman in 1969 and 1971. And later on, on Mother's Day, the Cubs and Nationals were in extras. Bryce Harper was 0-for-0 on the day with six walks. That isn't important, but I thought it should be noted just because it's crazy. And Javier Baez came up in the 10th looking to end it.
7: Coxway! Oh,
0: Coxway!
5: Baez does it for three in the final. Pink ice cream for everybody. Well, there were plenty of opportunities
7: for these 10 hitters to do something heroic this afternoon, and Baez delivers.
3: So that gets the Cubs rolling once again. I'm sure, Javier Baez's mother was so proud that day.
1: Yeah. If if there's a time, if there's a time to make her proud. Yeah. That's the time.
3: Yes. So the Cubs were absolutely destroying every team in their path. On May 10th, they were twenty-five and six on the season. That was by far the best record in baseball. And just for some context, the one hundred and sixteen win nineteen oh six Cubs, they started out six and six took the Cubs about 19 more games to get to six losses than it did in 1906. Um, So that was insane. And some of the offensive leaders on this team, number one was the free agent signing Dexter Fowler. He led the National League in F4 with 2.1 on May 10th. He was fourth in weighted runs created plus with 182 and third in Woba with a 441. Anthony Rizzo, the first baseman, was hitting extremely well. Slash line of 281, 423, 632 – for a 10.55 OPS, a 4.35 WOBA, 174 weighted runs created, plus 1.6 Winslow replacement, which was fourth in the majors. And, oh no, I'm sorry. He was fourth in the majors in ISO as well, with a 3.51. Chris Bryant, their third baseman, stud, 295, 377, 500, 877, with a 3.77 WOBA, 136 weighted runs created, plus, and 1.3 F4. Another free agent signing, Ben Zobrist, 305, 424, really good walk rate, Um, 493, 919, and a 393 WOBA, 146 weighted runs created plus, and 1.2 wins above replacement. Offensively, the Cubs led the majors in F4. It wasn't even close. They had a 9.3. The next best in the majors was 7.9. They also led in walk percentage with a 12.8 and OBP with a 371. Now on the pitching side, Jake Arrieta. He made six starts, and he was 6-0 and with a one thirteen ERA, which led the NL. John Lester was 4-1 with a one ninety six ERA. Kyle Hendricks had a 3.10 ERA, and Jason Hamill had a 4-0 record with a five ERA. Also, in the bullpen, Hector Rondone, seven 7-for-7 seven in save opportunities with a .73 ERA and a negative .1 FIP. That easily led the majors. 14.59 Ks per nine, zero walks per nine, uh, with 12.1 innings pitched and 0.7 F4, which was tied for the major league lead. Pedro Strope was also dealing out of the pen, 198 ERA, 1.46 FIP, and a 1251 Ks per nine. And as for rotation, the Cubs led the majors in ERA with a 233, and the bullpen led the majors in ground ball percentage, which is Exactly what you're supposed to do out of the bullpen with a 54.2% ground ball rate. So after this, what did they do? They kept on rolling. On June 6th, the Cubs won their 40th game and went up 10 games in the NL Central. And in mid-June, the Cubs called up uh, catching prospect Wilson Contreras to make his Major League debut. And he got his first opportunity at the plate on Sunday Night Baseball
6: you hey, think Cup fans are excited uh, about Wilson Contreras. I mean, he's probably having enough trouble just keeping his heart break down And then he gets a standing ovation for 40,000 people. That's a, a goosebump kind of moment here before his first ever big league at-bat <laughs> High and deep to center field What a scene and what a moment for Wilson Contreras homering in his first major league at bat. Got a standing ovation before the at bat and a curtain call after.
3: What a start for Wilson Contreras. First pitch he ever sees dead center into the bleachers. How about that?
1: Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know if you, uh, if you ended on your, uh, on your highlight there. We'll, uh, we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah.
3: So moving on ahead, on June 25th, Chris Bryant had a historic day at the Dish, and we'll show his offense right now.
7: That will get into the left field corner.
0: Hayward on his way to third trouble there for Duvall. Gary Jones is going to send him and he will score. Throw to third late Cubs lead one nothing. Bryant in the air deep center it will go. Two for two two RBI's and the Cubs lead again. It's a
4: win round trip travel for two on Southwest Airlines.
0: Oh. To Kentucky. A three run homer for Bryant. It's seven to three. Here's the 0 1. Another ball hit hard out in the left center. He's going to try for two and he's going to be safe. He got in. I love that. Chris Bryant doing tons of damage against Red's pitching. He has been remarkably consistent. Stinking cycle! What a show! What a show!
7: Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh. Unofficially, doing, not going to do it. Unofficially, according yeah. to Scott Lindholm, who does a lot of baseball research, since 1913, he is the first player ever to do this: three homers and two doubles. And Jason Harrod trying to coax him up for the curtain call.
3: So Chris Bryant becomes the first player to hit a baseball 1,972 feet, as you heard on that broadcast. Uh, Also, just wanted to note, it said on the broadcast that since 1913, no one had had three home runs and two doubles in a game. I looked it up on Baseball Reference, and it said that it had never happened since 1901, when game logs were recorded. So, uh, according to Baseball Reference, Brian was the first player in MLB history with three home runs and two doubles in a single game.
1: Unbelievable. Uh, I don't have the how about that ready, because we usually reserve that for the players. Yeah,
3: But, in the
1: instance that we have such a thing I feel it deserves it that it is only appropriate that that gets a that's
3: right so June 28th the Cubs won their 50th game of the season they had the best winning percentage in the major leagues and absolutely nothing could stop them
1: but then unfortunately the Cubs came back down to earth for a second Cubs went two and nine between June 30th through the end of the first half. And that was the worst record in the National League during that time period. And the most memorable moment of that skid, kind of a representer of that skid, was has been rookie, Josh Bell, came up to the plate uh, down two with the bases loaded.
8: Strikeout, so you try to jump on something early. We've seen that from Josh
0: Bell deep to
7: right, way out of here, and it may have ended up in
0: the river. Grand slam for Bell. He might want to retire. The reaction was priceless from Josh Bell. He knew it right away. I
8: asked Lynn Hurdle before the game, is there any way this kid stays here? He said he's only here for three days. He's only what if he just kills it and does great he says it doesn't matter so josh bell
1: uh kind of makes an exclamation park an exclamation mark on how bad things are going for the cubs at the time and unequivocally the pitching was a major reason for this two and nine skid they had a negative 1.4 f4 and it was the worst in the league and The second worst was uh, only negative 0.8. So they had about 50% higher than the uh, 50% lower than the next worst team. And only two teams in the majors gave up at least two home runs per nine during this time. They were the Reds at 2.01 home runs per nine and the Cubs at 2.65 home runs per nine. And they also had the worst ERA in the NL at the time with a 7.11, and the worst FIP in the majors with a 6.45. However, they still had a seven-game lead in the division because of that great start, Uh, but the San Francisco Giants still held the best record in the National League by three games. Uh, Then it came to the All-Star break, where the Cubs were highly celebrated. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobrist, Addison Russell, Dexter Fowler, Jake Arrieta, and John Lester were all selected to the All-Star Game. Chris Bryant was the NL F4 leader at the break with 4.6 fan wins above replacement. And Anthony Rizzo was also the National League leader in WOBA at 4.19. And he also led all Major League First basemen uh, in F4 with 3.6. Ben Zobrist at the time led all National League second basemen in runs scored with 59. Uh, Addison Russell led all National League shortstops in walk percentage with 11.1% walk rate. Dexter Fowler was fourth among National League outfielders in F4 with 2.6. And Jake Arrieta ranked fifth among all NL pitchers in home runs per nine with 0.55. And John Lester ranked third among all National League pitchers in left on base percentage with 83.7% of men getting on base, not reaching home plate. And in the first inning in this Fall Classic, which took place
3: Midsummer in Classic, Park,
1: or the <laughs> not the Fall Classic, the Midsummer Classic. Uh, in this Midsummer Classic, uh, Chris Bryant started got things started for that National League team. Might be the premier home run hitter
5: in the National League, and this is belted. Chris Bryant, first pitch swinging, 1 nothing National League. This guy is putting together already a season for the record books. That's why our game is in such good hands when you're talking about guys like Bryant and Seeger, the young player. This guy said, I am not getting deep in the count. I'm going to look at the first pitch I see and deposit in left field and give the team.
1: So, Chris Bryant. Uh, kind of makes his mark, makes himself more nationally known with that All Star Game home run. However, the American League would still go on to win, and the American League would be awarded home field advantage in the World Series. Also, this was the last year that home field advantage was awarded to the winner of the All Star Game in the World Series. So, the uh, Cubs got the got the bad end of that. Got the short end of that stick.
3: They did. So now we go into the trade deadline after the. After the all-star break and the Cubs made a couple of moves uh, on July 20th, the Cubs traded prospect Daniel Vogelbach and pitcher Paul Blackburn for the Mariners to the Mariners for a reliever named Mike Montgomery and Montgomery was impressive for the Mariners. He had a 2.34 ERA, but at the time this wasn't really seen as a huge move, kind of just a minor deal. Uh, maybe just the guy who could be a long reliever for the Cubs. However, on July 25th, the Cubs traded Gleyber Torres, Billy McKinney, and Adam Warren to the Yankees for Araldus Chapman. The Cuban Missile. Chris, this is the guy that gets the last out of the World Series for you. This is the guy you want on that mound.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
3: That's right. Up until that point, Chapman had a 193 ERA and a 12.6 strikeouts per nine. So that was the Cubs trade deadline action. They got their closer. And Hector Rondon and Pedro Strope are still pitching very well, but Chapman is an established guy, and that's what you want. So, with that being said, on July 31st, trade deadline day, the Cubs played a game on Sunday Night Baseball that I quite honestly don't know how I'm supposed to explain it, so we're just going to watch the recap of it
0: playing on Sunday Night Baseball for the first time since 2004. Brian Mattis making his Cubs debut Sunday night. It's already a 4-0 Seattle lead, top of the third. There's a runner on as Mattis faces day-ho lead. Here's
6: Lee hitting one a long way, left center field. It is another home run for the Mariners. Their third two-run homer in as many innings. 6-0 Seattle. Travis Wood is still in the game, but he's in left field. He played a little bit in left field in an extra inning game earlier this year. He's out in left field now. I don't know if Wood's going to have a play on this one. It is caught! He races back to the ivy and made the catch!
7: (laughs) Makes the catch.
0: And that's a brick wall behind that ivy. Might leave a mark. A pitcher. Look at this standing
6: ovation he's getting not just from his teammates from everybody here. And into pitch for Seattle is their closer, Steve Seesha.
4: And the bases are loaded for Wilson Contreras. Now the one-two. ground ball to third, fielded by Seeger goes to second one. The throw to first, not in time. A run scores. Very close play at first. They're gonna review this. He was safe at first. And officially, the umpires say he remains safe. Tying run at third, winning run at first, the 0-2. A wild pitch. Here comes Russell, scores! The game is tied. A wild pitch. Addison Russell scores. This ball game is tied at six. And I mean this ball is five feet outside and goes to the backstop. And the 2 2. no hits one in the air, shallow left toward the line, long run. Racing over and making a sliding catch is Wilson Contreras. He slid behind the bullpen mound and made the catch. Cubs are making some tremendous plays in this game.
6: Cody Martin is on to pitch for Seattle. John Lester came to the ballpark today saying, <laughs> I wonder if I'll be called upon as a pinch hitter tonight.
4: You're just looking for something to get that
3: run 90 feet.
4: Here's the 2-2. Lester is going to bunt. It's out in front of the plate. Here comes Hayward. He scores. Cubs win. Cubs win. John Lester with a beautiful bunt. Jason Hayward, a headfirst
3: slide at home plate. The Cubs win the ball game. It's a remarkable... So John Lester playing the hero, just like everyone expected. I don't know what the weirdest part of that game was, Chris. The Travis Wood catch in left, the Wilson Contreras, the catcher playing left field, John Lester hitting a walk-off sack That Like that game was just so incredibly weird, and it exemplified everything that the Cubs are as a team and Joe Madden is as a manager.
1: Yeah, you're right. It is inexplicable.
3: That's right. Do you remember that game by any chance?
1: Uh, not, not much. I, uh, for some reason, my baseball memory in 26, like regular season 2016, it's just kind of off. I don't know.
3: I was, uh, I was in Delaware watching this on my TV in my vacation house.
7: Yeah.
1: So the Cubs, uh, after, after a win like that, they're set to kind of finish it off, try to close up this national league central. division winning season, you know, getting around that time. And the Cubs got off to an 11 game win streak right after the deadline, immediately after an 11 game win streak. And between August 1st and August 18th, the Cubs as a team had a 2-2-2 ERA and they went 14-2 as a team. Also on August 18th, Uh, Chris Bryant The third baseman for the Cubs Was at it once again Setting records once again
0: Ground ball towards center And throw as they were shifting Jeanette was over On the other side of second base Chris Bryant deep left Into the jet stream, and it's four nothing. Breaking ball was elevated, and Bryant's got another hit. Caesar scores, it's a double. He is a triple away from the cycle. High fly to center, way back toward the wall. Triple, single homer, double
5: homer for Bryant. Wow, what a show he is putting on here today.
0: That will get in the left. Baez scores. What a day for Bryant. It's a five for five. It's nine to six.
5: And it's his turn now to hear the MVP chance from this crowd.
1: Chris Bryant has an incredible day. And in fact, Bryant with this game, Chris Bryant with this game, he became the first national league player. He became the first national league player. Became the first national league player in history to have multiple games of five hits and two home runs in a single season How about that? so Chris Bryant was making history uh, during the season yeah, that's and right. then and also the Cubs uh, in, the, in the month of August had a 22 and 6 record kind of going back to where they were in April and they finished the month 15 games up in the National League Central and then heading into September mid-September Uh, Miguel on September 16th, Miguel Montero came up to the plate against the Brewers looking to win to win the game. Uh, And covered right on the brink of clinching the NL Central. So he was looking to uh, potentially do some damage here. Miguel Montero hits that home run to walk it off, pushed them one game closer to winning that National League Central. And later that day, uh, because, of, because of a loss from another team, the Cubs clinched the National League Central for the first time since 2008. It had been eight years. And ultimately, the Cubs finished the season 103-58 and with the best record in the National League.
3: So now we're going to take a look at what I call the Windy City, Windy City winners from this team. Chris Bryan, we have to start out with him. He was the National League MVP, and no doubt about it. He had a slash line of 292, 385, 554, 938, with 7.9 wins above replacement, which led the National League. And he was also tied for, and while we're in the StatCast era, I figured I'd shout this out. He was also tied for 10th in the majors with barrels. Uh, he had 53 of them. And then Anthony Rizzo, first baseman, 292, 385, 544, 928. They had eerily similar slash lines, the exact same batting average and the exact same OBP. Just Bryant slugged a little bit better. And Rizzo was the only first baseman in in the NL with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. He finished fourth in the MVP voting. And, you know, I can go on and on about stats that proved how good Bryant and Rizzo were this year. But none of it will top the fact that they actually got MLB to make a good marketing campaign. That is something that cannot be said about really anybody. And they were the ones that did it. In the start of the season, MLB put out a promo about the Cubs. Uh, Take a look at it.
0: This is Chris Bryant.
4: And this is Anthony Rizzo. As the muscle of the Chicago Cubs lineup, they decided to go into business. The souvenir business. Brizzo Souvenir Company, please hold. We founded Brizzo Souvenir Company to get you the home run balls you deserve. Help me help you get some baseballs. It's a good deal, Joe. Have you seen us play? We authenticate them with our bats. Nine ounce balls. You know home run derby balls are gonna be more than that. I shouldn't be eating like this. Dude, this guy,
0: Vince. Are we shipping to St. Louis? That's why we're best friends. Take it or leave it. Deal. (laughs) Woo! Another one. Each ball is authenticated by our bat. You like home run balls? We've got home-run balls. Hey, Chris, are these for Nebraska? Alaska. All right, Nebraska. I thought we put the ding in dinger. They ain't
3: lying. That was beautiful. Amazing. So, I mean, like I said, they got, you know, The fact that they got MLB to do a good marketing campaign about them speaks more volumes than any statistic I could possibly name because that doesn't happen all that often. We know that. So, moving right along, Addison Russell had a 3.3 F4 and finished 19th in the MVP voting. Very good for him. John Lester on the mound. He finished second in the Cy Young vote, a two forty-four ERA, 197 strikeouts, and 202 and two-thirds innings pitched. And one guy that they had a huge breakout season from was Kyle Hendricks, a two one three ERA, hundred ninety six ERA plus, and one hundred seventy strikeouts in one hundred ninety innings pitched. He finished third in the Cy Young and twenty third in the MVP vote. Also, Jake Arrieta, he did not follow up his Cy Young season with anything short of expect exceptional, three ten ERA, one hundred ninety Ks in one hundred ninety seven point one innings, and ninth in the Cy Young voting. Joe Madden also finished second in the manager of the year voting. And the Cubs led the majors in offensive war with 37.1 and also walk rate with 10.4. And they led the majors in ERA with a 315 and XFIP with a 374. Also the rotation had a sub three ERA and the next best in the majors was 360. So now they're in the playoffs. Now it's it's when it counts because this team has been here before, but as we all know, since 1908, it hasn't been done. Remember that time the Giants were fighting with the Cubs for the best record in the National League? Yeah, um, they skidded away hard, going 30-42 and 42 in the second half and having 30 blown saves on the season. So in Game 1, fittingly enough, it was a pitcher's duel from the starters. John Lester and Johnny Cueto were each dealing. Lester's final line ended up being eight innings pitched, five hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts, for a game score of 77. And in the eighth inning, with a 0 0 ball game, Javier Baez came up trying to give the Cubs a lead.
5: The quick pitch.
3: Huge home run for Javier Baez. Puts the Cubs up 1-0 in the game. After Eraldis chapman threw a scoreless ninth, the Cubs were up 1-0 in the series as well. So now in game two of the series, Ben Zobrist got the, the scoring started early by hitting an RBI single in the first inning. And in the second, the Cubs looked uh, they loaded the bases with no one out. And unfort- but unfortunately, uh, the Kyle, Kyle Hendricks was the batter. So, obviously, you're not looking to get much production with your pitcher at the plate.
8: Yeah, naturally. In the middle of the diamond, they're back.
0: And Hendricks breaks his bat, flares it into center, it drops for a hit, and two runs score. Baez didn't hesitate, and the cup- Grab a 3-0 lead. Incredible baseball instincts. He
5: saw where Span was playing. He did not hesitate at all. As Hayward goes to tag up, that's the only thing that slows down Baez. This young man, you can see why they're so high on him.
3: So Kyle Hendricks actually comes through for them. And now two batters later, Chris Bryant delivered an RBI single to make it 4-0. But in the third, the lead was cut to half after Denard's span from the Giants doubled and Brandon belted a sack fly to make it 4-2. In the fourth, another pitcher came up, Travis Wood. Uh, He came up to the plate after entering the game as a reliever.
5: Travis Wood just hit the 10th run of his career.
8: He
0: is third. And that's 10 for Travis Wood, and that's 5-2 for the Cubs. I said you weren't missing much when Wood comes in at the plate and
5: an athlete, and he delivered as a reliever. I think the hardest thing to do with the reliever in the postseason is check in. He not only checked in on the mound. He checked in at the plate and getting a standing over.
3: So that's three RBIs for Cubs pitchers on the night. And from there, the bullpen took took over. The bullpen pitched five and a third innings with two hits, no runs, no walks, and six strikeouts. Cubs won the game, and they were now up 2-0 in the series, commanding lead over San Francisco. So now we shift to the Bay Area, and the Cubs, they were looking to clinch the series and move on to the championship series. But there was a problem. Tonight they were facing Madison Bumgarner, a man who needs no introduction for his postseason performances. And in the second... The Cubs had 2 on with 2 out and then the unthinkable happened.
7: Arietta launches to left.
3: Jake Arrieta, out of all the guys that have never had success in the postseason against Madison Bumgarner, go figure that that's the guy to do it.
7: Yeah,
1: insane.
3: So the Giants tripped away in the third on a Buster Posey RBI single. And then in the fifth, another Brandon Belt sack fly. So it was 3-2. And in the eighth, Oralvis Chapman was called upon to get the final six outs with runners already on. And he probably gave up an RBI triple to Connor Gillespie and an RBI single to Brandon Crawford, which made it five to three, San Francisco. Shoot! But in the ninth, Chris Bryant came up against Sergio Romo after a Dexter Fowler walk,
8: swinging a high fly ball to deep left field at the track at the wall block. Rose, which had appeared to be fixed in San Francisco, have resurfaced. A 5-5 ninth-inning tie,
3: and it's tied. The game would go into extra innings, and the Cubs had Mike Montgomery go in long relief, with the Giants switching between Romo, Will Smith, and Ty Block, and into the 13th inning, Brandon Crawford doubled to lead off the inning and then after that was joe panic
8: the giants win that game's at 5 eastern 2 pacific a drive to right and the Gi-
3: So the Cubs clinch is going to have to wait at least one more day after that game. In game four game was tied one-to-one in the bottom of the fourth and the Giants took the lead on a Matt Moore single and then extended it on a Denard span ground out. I swear these pitchers just keep hitting in this game from this series for whatever reason. And the Cubs, they didn't get, uh, they did get one back in the fifth uh, on a David Ross sack fly but the Giants got another two in the next half inning. So, going into the top of the ninth, the Giants were three outs away from sending it back to Wrigley Field.
5: I started thinking, I'm going to get three outs. I get three outs, that's a save. We go on, and I'll be doing my thing on the mound. That's the area you've got to be kind of careful. And a
8: base hit for Chris Bryant. Lead off hitter aboard here in the top of the ninth.
5: It'll be one and done. So
8: long the 3-1 lined in the right field. That'll rattle around. Bryant scores easily. Rizzo held it third. And it's a two-run ball game with nobody out in the ninth.
5: See, and that's exactly what. Zobrist did the whole of that. He year against stayed up handed hitting during the regular season.
8: Back up the middle and through. Rizzo scores. Here's Zobrist, and the Cubs have tied it here in the night. Yeah. 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 Hayward bunting. Smith will go to second. They cut down the is offline Hayward's on his way to second. The go-ahead run in scoring position now. That go-ahead run at bay. Baez singles back up the middle. Hayward's being waved around, and Chicago has taken a six-to-five lead.
0: surprised at the pitch selection
5: said it before these young players for the Cubs are fearless and don't give up any inch to their competitors and the craziness continues for the Cubs in a temporary lead
3: up on this I went to bed at, uh, at the start of the top of the ninth inning and then I sprung right back up after Zobris hit the double
1: yeah I don't I don't even know if I was if I was up for this for this particular game
3: for the record uh the Giants win probability at the start of the inning was 98 percent, so the Cubs had a two percent chance of winning that game and then that inning happened so the the Cubs with as the resilient bunch they are, they won the series in that game. They didn't even have to worry about a game five at Wrigley. And Chris Bryant was probably the best offensive performer in the series. A 375 batting average with a 1099 on OPS, a home run and three RBIs. Also Javier Baez, 375 average again, 974 OPS, one home run and two RBI. And then also Cubs pitching as a whole had a three flat ERA and they didn't allow a home run the whole series.
1: And now we move on to the national league championship series where the Cubs are facing the Dodgers. And in game one, the series opens up at Wrigley field and the Cubs were already up two to nothing. And Javier Baez had himself a wild trip, a wild, while ending to a trip around the bases, uh, Pretty interesting how, he's, how he was able to score in this first game of the World Series, or of the National League Championship Series.
7: That is Baez coming to the plate. He is safe. Three
5: nothing. He got aggressive and then said, Well, I'm done. And the only way I can make
0: something happen is to not stop whatsoever. That aggression got a little lucky.
5: And a run for the Cubs. It's a steal of home for Javier Baez, who's doing everything right.
1: So Javier Baez makes the score three to nothing by basically stealing home. Yeah. And that made it three to nothing. And after an Andre Ethier home run in the fifth, and an Adrian Gonzalez two-run single in the eighth, the Dodgers had tied the game three to three. Ben Zobrist let off the bottom of the eighth with a double and two outs and two intentional walks later. Miguel Montero pinch hit in the ninth spot with the bases loaded, looking to give the Cubs the lead. Here's Miguel Montero.
7: Two.
5: This is going to be a carbon copy right over the middle of place. He's two in a row.
1: So Miguel Montero puts the Cubs out in front by four runs. And Dexter Fowler is the next batter. And he follows it up pretty nice, pretty nice himself, if you're asking me.
7: is
5: one to right back into the wall this one is one
0: back to back
1: 8-3 so that was The, uh, that was the nail in the coffin that made it eight to three insult to injury to make it eight to three and the Cubs eventually won by the final score of eight to four, giving them the one nothing series lead. And then we move on to game two where Adrian Gonzalez led off the second for LA trying to swing momentum. And that's exactly what he did hit a home run, making it one to nothing. And this game actually, turned out to be a pitcher's duel it was between Clayton Kershaw and the 2016 ERA leader Kyle Hendricks and the Cubs only were able to gather two hits in this game and they only had one at bat with runners in scoring position and the Dodgers would win game two by the score of one to nothing tying the series and then in game three the Dodgers were up one to nothing in the fourth and after Josh Reddick singled Yasmani Grandal looked to cash in and that's exactly what he did. Also hitting a home run, Justin Turner also homered in this game and Rich Hill pretty much dealt, uh, like he usually does in the playoffs for six shutout innings and the Dodgers won that game six to nothing. Cubs only had four hits and four at bats with the runners in scoring position. It looked like the offense was struggling a little bit. And then in game four, uh, to to preface to preface this game, one serious problem with the with the uh, Cubs lineup had been Anthony Rizzo, kind of a guy who was kind of the heartbeat for the previous few years, especially when Chris Bryant wasn't there. Uh, at the time in the playoffs, he was two for twenty six with two singles, and he needed something to break out of his slump. So he looked to a teammate, and Matt Caesar. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Yep, it's Caesar. Matt Caesar. Uh, was a utility man uh, the Cubs had during the regular season, and he didn't really he didn't make the postseason roster. And Rizzo decided to use his bat going forward. Caesar let him use the bat and he was using the bat. And in game four, uh, Anthony Rizzo came up to the plate in the fifth inning with the Cubs already leading four to nothing after RBIs from Wilson Contreras, Jason Hayward, and Addison Russell. So then, it was time for Anthony Rizzo to break out with the help of his new lumber.
5: That's in a right center field, back at the wall. This ball. Fifth. Rizzo. 5 nothing Chicago in the fifth. Two runs are going to score. Eight-two. Two-two. That's another hit for Rizzo. It's two on one out.
1: So Anthony Rizzo breaks out of the slump pretty much with that game. The Cubs won the game ten to two. Addison Russell had three hits, including the homer. Uh, Dexter Fowler. And Ben Zobris also had multiple hits. And just like that, the series was tied at two. And then we had game five where Dexter Fowler singled to lead off the ball game as a good leadoff hitter does. And then up came Anthony Rizzo still with his new bat.
7: Runner is going and next down.
1: So Anthony Rizzo proceeds to keep mashing with Matt Caesar's bat, and makes it a one-nothing ball game in Game Five. Uh, and then the Dodgers would actually later tie the game, and in the sixth inning, Addison Russell came up to the plate in this tie game with a man on base, looking to give them the lead.
5: 0-for-2 two with two strikeouts tonight, the 0-1. High fly ball in the center. The shortstop Russell, a big one. Two-run shot. 3-1 Chicago in the sixth. This slider was less than perfect, and it looked like it might have even crossed up Ruiz. He's looking fast. ball away, and that slider, middle of the plate. And Russell told us going the other way has gotten him better locked in.
1: So the cubs get the lead three to one and it seemed like they weren't going to give that up uh the cubs had a lead but also they needed the insurance runs and they would go on to do that in the eighth inning the opportunity to pad on some runs get some insurance make it safe for the bullpen this is what they did <laughs>
5: a ground ball fielded by Gonzalez safe at first it's four to one right now that's up to Bryant and Baez first and third one out shatter back runner coming to the plate another run safe at first five to one bases loaded two out Javier Baez hard hit deep into right Runs are gonna score. Baez is gonna hold it second, and the Cubs have blown it open.
1: So that ended up being a five five run inning, five run eighth inning for the Cubs. And the Cubs won this game eight to four, and they were one win away from the Fall Classic heading to Ridley. And in game six, the city of Chicago was ready for a party for the Lakes, which they had not seen since 1945, since the year that World War II had ended. They wasted no time as the Cubs scored two in the first off of Clayton Kershaw. You know, Clayton Kershaw, they couldn't hit off of him in game two, but they scored two off of him in that first inning, giving them a lot more hope. And uh, what does this say? Clayton Kershaw. Oh. Oh, on A. <laughs> I'll just kind of restart that. Okay. I'll just start from game six. So now in game six, the city of Chicago was ready for a party the likes of which they had not seen since 1945, since the year that World War II had ended. It had been 71 years uh, since they could have a moment like this, potentially, not a guarantee. We saw how it went in 2003. Wouldn't want to mention that. And they wasted no time as the Cubs scored two in the first inning off of a Chris Bryant single and a Ben Zobrist sack fly. They scored two again, or they scored again, He scored one run in the second off of a Dexter Fowler single. And then in the fourth inning, rookie Wilson Contreras comes up against the three-time Cy Young winner and sees what he can do against the vet.
5: He he knows enough to get worried about anything. He knows.
1: So that made it a four-nothing ball game against the Dodgers. And uh, one inning later, Anthony Rizzo, with that bat, continued his momentum with the bat.
7: Defense and a smart, terrific. Match.
1: And the Cubs go up five to nothing in this potential clincher. And meanwhile on the mound, Kyle Hendricks, the ERA title winner, was absolutely dealing for the Chicago Cubs.
5: Game winner Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Struck All right. Man. Still Base hit by Josh Reddick ends an incredible string by Kyle Hendricks, a masterpiece for the 26-year-old. So
1: Kyle Hendricks ultimately, ultimately goes seven and a third scoreless, and in the ninth, it was you know. You can describe it in any way you want, but to put it best in three words, it was time.
3: part about that final out is that Joe Bug <laughs> of that about that final out is that Joe Buck literally had to scream like just to be heard because the crowd was completely wild.
1: Yeah, you're not lying there. Not at all. That's uh yeah, you could barely hear him at all.
3: You could hear the crowd over Joe Buck's, you know, voice on a microphone.
1: Yeah, on a microphone projected in a press box. Yeah. Uh, it was still still hard to get that audio. And Javier Baez and John Lester were co-MVPs of the National League Championship Series. Javi Baez hit 318 with an 833 OPS, along with incredible defense to go with that. That was especially highlighted in this series. And John Lester pitched 13 innings and had a 138 ERA in those 13 innings. Some honorable mentions as well. Anthony Rizzo hit 320 with a 1010 OPS and two home runs and five RBI. Dexter Fowler hit 333 with an 889 OPS, with one home run and three doubles. And Kyle Hendricks had an ERA under one, a .71 ERA, allowing just one earned run in 12 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, and then we move on to the World Series, the Fall Classic, as uh, as previewed before when I when I accidentally flubbed the Midsummer Classic.
3: So the Cubs were facing the Cleveland Indians in the World Series, and this was the perfect World Series matchup. Of course, the Cubs, a team that hadn't won a World Series since 1908, versus Cleveland, a team that hadn't won one since 1948. These are the two longest active droughts in the league, so something had to give. And in game one, to put it quite short, uh, the Cubs, they could not figure out Corey Kluber at all. They were dominated by him over six innings, and Cleveland catcher Roberto Perez stole the show with – two home runs, and four RBIs on the day. And Cleveland won the game 6 to nothing. So now in game two, Anthony Rizzo got things started with an RBI double in a must-win game for the Cubs, by the way. You can't go down 2-0. And in the third, already up 1-0, the Cubs had a secret weapon in for them to come through in the clutch.
5: Joe let him go on 3-0. I would. He does, and a base hit. Here comes Rizzo. No throw to the plate. Schwarber's delivered. To nothing. He's back. Schwarber with another base hit. Comes up for nothing here in the fifth inning, and Schwarber's knocked home two. He's taken here and he takes a walk. And now Schwarber's been on base three straight times.
3: So Kyle Schwarber off the disabled list with an ACL tear is back in October to deliver for the cubs in the world series so that happened and Jake Arrieta went five and two thirds innings pitch two hits one run three walks and six strikeouts in the day that is a recipe for a cubs five to one victory to even up the series going into Wrigley and in game three despite facing the leader in home runs given up in 2016 and Josh Tomlin this game actually turned out to be a pitcher's duel uh, both Tomlin and Hendricks left the game scoreless but in the sixth inning the Cubs blinked first as Coco Crisp hit an RBI single. And from that point forward, the Indians' bullpen pitched four and a third innings, pitched three hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. And the Indians won the game one to nothing to go up two to one in the series. And then in game four, the Cubs got up to a one nothing lead on a Rizzo single in the first. But the Indians came right back against John Lackey on a Carlos Santana home run and a Corey Kluber single. And in the seventh inning, the Indians were winning four to one. And Jason Kipnis delivered the dagger with a three-run home run. And that was pretty much it. The Indians won seven to two. And they were up three to one in the World Series. So this is where we're at now. A hundred years, 108 years of failure. The most promising season the franchise had seen in years. The best team in Major League Baseball. And now they're down to their final game. The Cubs have to win three games in a row. And, well, if there's a year to do it, consider it this one. In the second inning of game five, Jose Ramirez hit a, lead, hit a home run to lead off the inning. And the Cubs were now trailing in an elimination game. So how they responded would be a testament to their season. And, well, in the fourth inning, it was Chris Bryant leading off.
4: Trevor Bauer, the right-hander, fires. Fly ball, deep left center field, back toward the wall. He's got a chance. Gone! That's what you do with a fastball in the middle of the plate. You hit a line drive rocket over the 368 Side and left center,
5: and it comes around the board. This place is shaking.
3: So Bryant ties the game up. And after the Homer, Rizzo hit a double, Zobras hit a single to bring him into third. And then Russell singled in Rizzo, and David Ross later hit a sack fly to make it three to one Chicago. Now that the Cubs had a lead, it was on John Lester.
5: It's all on him now for the Chicago Cubs and these fans. got Short Russell, what a job by Lester! That's all the There he goes. Throw by Ross it is in time, it over. John Lester, a hug. 90 pitches tonight.
3: A big time adding from John Lester, a guy who has a lot of playoff outings that were big time. After Leicester's departure, Carl Edwards Jr. and Araldis Chapman shut it down, and the Cubs survived to see another day with a 3-2 win. So now, Game 6, we shift back to Cleveland. The Cubs, once again, were playing for their life, and Chris Bryant got the Cubs on the board in Game, in game 6. After getting him on the board in Game 5 as well.
5: Bryant, it's a
4: high fly ball, deep left field. It's got a chance! Go on! Chris Bryant with a home run to left, and the Cubs lead one to nothing. On a two-strike pitch, he lets the ball get deep and hits an
3: absolute bomb into the seats in left field. What a start for the Cubs. So Chris Bryant stays hot, hits another home run, and although Bryant was, uh, was scorching at the plate, this would become the game where Addison Russell took over.
5: scores. Here comes throw home. Safe as the ball gets away and Russell ends up at third. 2-0. At the wall. grand Slam. 7-0 Chicago. But one pitch. Russell flips for the out as Baez keeps his foot on the bag. And the forced out ends the sixth.
3: So, Addison Russell tied the record for RBIs in a single World Series game with six. He became the fourth player to do so and also the first shortstop to do so. And the Cubs won the game nine to two. And this season would come down to the two best words in sports game seven. The Cubs had the chance to erase a century long World Series drought tonight. This was the biggest game. That had ever been played in chicago cubs history they never got this close to championship glory throughout the entirety of the drought and they would need to start the game with a bang build the momentum from the jump dexter fowler led off the night looking to get the ball rolling for the cubs
7: that's
5: in the air to center back at the wall Start Dexter Fowler. Hello in game seven, one nothing Chicago. Well, Dexter Fowler couldn't have drawn it up any better. It's the first ever leadoff home run in a game seven, and it belongs to Dexter Fowler.
3: Dexter Fowler, a man who was left out in the free agent market into mid-February, gets it going for the Cubs in the night where they needed it the most. Kyle Hendricks shut out the Indians through two. In the third, Coco Crisp let off, hoping to get a rally started.
7: That's down the line.
5: Crisp will dig for two. Zobris gets it back in. Double. The bunt. Rizzo will go to first. One out, tying run at third. And a good sacrifice by Roberto Perez. He does, tie it. What a better feeling for the Indians early on here, tying it up. So,
3: the Indians tied the game in the third inning. The Cubs would try to answer in the fourth and get back on top.
5: Left side, base hit. And somehow Bryant found a hole. Here's Rizzo hit by a pitch. And he'll take the bruise and the base. Two on, nobody out. To the first baseman, Napoli. High and out at second, first, and third. One out. And a wide throw by Napoli. Killed any chance of a double plane. What's it going to be? Bryant tied. Throw to the plate. Safe under the tag, and the Cubs lead two to one. Davis came in, goes back, will get there off the wall. And the lead is two. It's three to one.
3: It is a three-one Chicago lead in the fourth, and Hendricks continued to dominate in the fourth, bringing up Javier Baez, looking to tack on, leading off the fifth inning.
5: A fly ball into right center, back at the wall off the bat of Baez, four to one. That ball was a rocket out to right center. First RBI of the World Series. It comes in Game Seven.
3: So Javier Baez puts the Cubs in a commanding four to one lead, and that would be it for Corey Kluber. And Andrew Miller came on in relief after Chris Bryant drew a two-out walk. Anthony Rizzo looked to cash in once again.
5: See if that here's Bryant taking off. Here's a shot into right by Rizzo. Bryant's gonna come around. The throw by Chisenhardt, now Kempnis.
7: Another run.
5: Bryant safe and it's five to one.
3: It is a five to one game. The Cubs currently sit at an 88% win probability and everything is going according to plan. The Cubs are so close to wiping away the curse and Kyle Hendricks allowed a 2 out walk in the fifth inning, which concluded his night. Joe Madden called on for John Lesser to pitch. And by that default, David, David Ross was called on the catch in his final career game. After allowed a single to Jason Kipnis something, another thing that I can't even explain
5: happened. Swing of the bat. Francisco Lindor can make this a two-run game. Lindor passes in. It hits Ross. A run scores. Here comes Kipnis. He's safe. It's 5-3. Here's David Ross, John, that's had a tough time with concussions. That ball caught a square. And by the time he fell down, got up, Kipnis, with great base running, is ahead of the tag.
3: So that's a minor setback for the Cubs. It is still a it is still a six three game, which is all right. Uh, or I'm sorry, a five three game. But David Ross and John Lester both needed to redeem themselves because Lester threw a tough pitch and. Ross kind of, you know, the ball went off his face and it kind of made him fall over, which led to the other run. So the next inning, Ross came up in what would likely be his final big league at bat against Andrew Miller.
5: Pitches. Ross flies one into center, sends Davis back.
3: Oh, David Ross redeems himself in his final game he cashes in with a home run so Ross obviously fixes his night and now it's time for Lester to do the same
5: John Lester comes in, he worked at home in game 5 a strikeout ends the inning to the second baseman Baez inning is over Ground ball back to Lester. And the only thing he can do is underhand to first. A strikeout ends the inning. Lester pumped up. Two out. John Lester tonight goes three and a third.
3: The Cubs were four outs away from a World Series victory. The win probability was at 95%. Or Aldis Chavin, the closer, was in for a four-out save to finish it off. And he gives up a leadoff single to Jose Ramirez. No big deal, that's okay. The next batter was Brandon Geyer.
0: Runner will go.
5: He will score on an RBI double by Brandon Geyer. It's 6-4.
3: So now it's a two-run game. And the tying run is at the plate in the form of Rajai Davis, a man who carried the Indians with his speed. He led the AL in steals in 2016. So fortunately, his power wasn't a huge threat.
5: Two outs, at second. Six to four, Cubs leading the Indians. Game seven of what has been a classic World Series between two teams that have longed for that championship more years than any other two franchises in baseball. 68 years for the Indians, 108 years for the Cubs. Now the pitch.
7: Swung in line to deep left field.
3: Was it? It was a 6 6 ball game. Chris, it was at this very moment on that night when I realized that the Cubs were cursed. They were never meant to win a World Series. I mean, like Rajai Davis, really? That's the guy? No way. In the top of the ninth, the Cubs had a runner on first with one out, looking to climb back on top.
7: Stance on the side, comes to take the lead. I'm not digging into the plate. Sober to loves seven to six of the time.
3: So that's it. The Cubs, the Cubs have the lead. And after Addison Russell was later intentionally walked, Miguel Montero looked to tack on.
5: The rest of this temp. That's a base hit. Rizzo scores. Zobrist is held. 8-6 Chicago.
3: Cubs were three outs away. Carl Edwards Jr. got the first two outs in the 10th. With one out to go, he walked Brandon Geyer. And the fate of this game was once again in the hands of Rajai Davis.
7: the center field, another hit. Here comes Geyer. The throw into
5: second. It's a one-run game. Davis delivers again.
3: After that Edwards exited the game and Mike Montgomery came in to face Michael Martinez. This season came down to a defensive replacement versus a long reliever that was acquired mid season for the world series for history for generations worth of frustration, anger, and failure on both sides. All of it in this moment could be erased.
5: Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play.
3: And there it is! For the first time in 108 years, the Chicago Cubs are World Series champions.
1: It's uh th- definitely one of the more, more memorable World Series of my life. No yes.
3: doubt about it. It was it could be number one. So Jack was named the World Series MVP. Of course he had that. That go ahead hit and he hit 357, 419, 500 for a 919 OPS. Two doubles, one triple, and two RBIs. Anthony Rizzo throughout the playoffs, after switching to Matt Caesar's bat, slashed 410, 489, 769, 1258 with three home runs, five doubles, and 10 RBIs. He absolutely raked. Kyle Schwarber coming off the DL with an injury. 412, 500, 471, 971. Two RBI, three walks. Chris Bryant and Dexter Fowler each had two home runs in the series. Kyle Hendricks had one earned run over nine innings pitched. And the team overall had a 343 ERA. So this team's legacy goes without saying, but we're going to say it anyway. Of course, they were the first Cubs team to win the World Series in 108 years. They captured the hearts of America with over 75 million people tuning into game seven of the world series at some point also the victory song go cubs go it was on billboard charts after the victory the whole world was playing the cubs victory anthem after this after this victory and five million people attended the cubs world series parade in chicago and there's a claim out there that this was the seventh largest gathering in human history
1: yeah i mean thank god thank god they're uh the curse was broken pre-COVID
3: yeah oh my god that would have been (laughs) terrible um I I just on a more personal note you know I remember I was a sophomore in high school for this and I remember waking up the day of game seven just thinking remember everything about today because this could be the day that you watch the Cubs win the World Series which is something that your parents have never done your grandparents have never done nobody pretty much nobody who is alive has ever seen it and I remember I had a global history test the next day that I end up failing because I was watching this game instead of studying. Uh, and you know what? It was worth it. <laughs> it was totally worth it.
1: Yeah, like personally, uh, throughout the throughout the playoffs, I had some some weird sleep stuff. I know uh, game, I believe, yeah, game five of the NLCS and game six of the World Series. Um, I was so tired from my day that instead of watching them at night i recorded the game and i would fall asleep i'd set the alarm for like 4 a.m and i'd watch it without commercials so for game five of the nlcs and game six of the world series i was watching that uh i was watching that at the crack of uh, at the crack of dawn nice so uh, that was yeah. my experience with it
3: that was your i love it i love it um I mean, this was, this was such a likable team on all fronts. Like there was like out, even if there wasn't a curse, I think everyone around America would have been down for the cause for this team to win a championship. Even if they were wearing, even dare I say, Yankee pinstripes. I mean, this team was so likable that I think even we could get behind them if they were the Yankees.
1: Yeah. And like it, it, and and that statement does hold true because they were also facing a team who was on a drought in the world series, but the Cubs just, had a bigger likability fa- factor, you know, Brizzo helped a lot having David Ross there helped a lot. And Jill Madden's yeah,
3: camaraderie
1: Joe Madden helped with that a lot. Yeah. They were a very likable team and pretty easy to root for. And especially, you know, with the, uh, with the fans there, you could feel it in game six of the NLCS when they clinched, you could, it was a, uh, It was easy to get on their bandwagon, you know, probably one of the easier teams, probably the easiest team in my lifetime that you could get on a bandwagon for. Because once, you know, we're Red Sox fans, once the uh, Red Sox got eliminated in the ALDS, I was kind of all for the Cubs uh, after that. And it was pretty easy to do
3: that. Also, another thing, this series cemented Theo Epstein's legacy as possibly the greatest GM in baseball history, uh, ending two 80-plus-year curses. Uh, and he was only still like 45 years old at the at that point. Like he was, he was a guy, he was waltzing into the hall of fame just at that age.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was, he was doing amazing. And that, yeah, that game seven, I guess it, as an aside, that game seven was a matchup between two guys breaking two, you know, huge world series droughts. Terry Fran- Francona was trying to end the Indians drought uh, and Theo Epstein trying to end the Cubs drought they both ended the Red Sox drought and Theo Epstein came on top and uh we're gonna see Theo Epstein in uh in a later video but first we have some some fan reactions for uh
3: because this is what it's all about like this is about the Cubs fans that never got to see it until this very moment they would waited all their lives so this is really what it's all about
1: very much so
5: Throw into second, it's a one-run game. I hate this. I hate this.
3: man once said, how can you not be romantic about baseball?
1: Absolutely.
3: So uh Chris Chris has a little bonus video for us. Uh something he made for a school project uh before right before COVID. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'll provide context uh, after the video is played. It's time to party like it's 1908. The C- The Chicago Cubs defeated the Cleveland Indians in seven games in the World Series. This is the Cubs' first World Series victory in 108 years. The team knew immediately how it affected the fans of the Cubs.
4: The whole team is going to have a special place in
1: Chicago's hearts forever, and uh, they deserve it. I I look around this room and see all the players and all the scouts and player development guys, everyone who contributed, and
8: just to know that they're going to... Have the connection with the city and with each other forever, that means the world
1: to me. It was not easy for the players or the fans to get there, though. With a 6-4 lead in the 8th inning, Rajay Davis hit a two-run homer off of Aroldis Chapman, who had been lights out in the playoffs up to that point. Left, but after a short rain delay, the Cubs were able to recoup and score two runs in the 10th. The Cubs were then able to get the last three outs to become champions Chicago's parade is 108 years in the making and it will be on Friday November 4th. I heard they dying in the river blue for com 130 I'm Christiana so for context there um, we had a uh, we're, in, we're in sports journalism at Springfield College as previously mentioned in the show and uh, we have a broadcast writing class so it, we basically make TV packages, TV stories. So this was this was last year fr- spring semester of, of freshman year. We're uh, in sophomore year, fr- sophomore year, first semester now. And this was uh, right around early March when um, uh, this uh, virus was going around. And, uh, you know, we were wondering what's going to happen with this virus. So about I think uh, I think it was uh, maybe eleven or twelve people uh, did stories about the uh, coronavirus, and I asked, "Hey, um, can I do one from like years ago? Does it have to be a current event?" Because you know we we're really just focusing on the writing here, and uh, our lovely professor Laura said, "Yeah, you could just we could do that." So I decided to do a uh, a, a TV story about the twenty sixteen Cubs. Uh, winning the world series so
3: it was breaking news i couldn't believe it when i said that they actually won
1: yeah you, uh, yeah you went to bed early and you found out that they won you, i woke up did, from oh, a
3: four year coma and then watched your package i was like yeah. whoa the cubs <laughs> they did it
7: <laughs> um, yeah
1: so that's that's what it was i just yeah. didn't want to I, I didn't know a lot about the about the coronavirus so uh i decided not to do a story about it mm-hmm. and uh go an avenue that i know about which is uh baseball
3: that's right um one thing i like to add we are never in our lifetimes again going to see people hopping on a bandwagon like they did for the cubs because the storylines were so perfect like we're never going to see another world series with two teams with 70 plus year droughts big like big time franchises might i add like if we see like i don't know the seattle mariners like you know sure it'll be a fun story but it's not you know it's not the cubs where they have this, this elongated history of being one of the most prestigious franchises in baseball. Um, yeah, we're never going to see it again. So yeah. I think we need to appreciate this team as much as we can.
1: Yeah, very much so. And like, yeah, a good point too is, yeah, the the Cubs, that, the curse was special because they are, you know, a, a historic franchise and they've been around for so long. Like, you know, people also talk about the Red Sox curse, but no one really ever talks about the White Sox curse because no one really cares about the White Sox, or even I mean, the
3: Phillies curse before nineteen eighty.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Cubs. It was. It was such a sto- It was such a storyline. We're never really ever going to see that again.
3: Yeah, no, the the White Sox literally went longer than the Red Sox, and no one talks about it.
1: No one talks about it at all. I guess you know the White Sox. They did. not really go to the World Series very much in between those years, but the Red Sox had more heartbreak. But still, and it was an 88-year drought. Yeah. So, I guess that's a that that's that does it for the 2016 Cubs. All right. So now on to our favorite uh, part of the episode, our favorite because it kind of determines what our week looks like in our uh, in our daily life here in the MLB offseason, uh, We are going to be picking uh, our player and team for the next week. Uh, I have 15 players listed, uh, randomly assigned numbers one through 15. Um, Daniel has the same exact thing, the same exact thing, except with teams, you know, like the 2016 Cubs. So uh, last week you picked first. I did. And, uh, this week, I'm going to be, be picking first. I picked 12 last week. Uh, and this week, I'm going to be picking number
3: five. Team, oh, team number five. Okay. Um, I, was, I went back and forth a lot of times on which of these teams to do. This team had their season end unlike any other on the list, but nonetheless they were still a very good franchise and we're gonna do the 1997 cleveland indians
1: Ooh, the 1997 cleveland indians yeah they do so have we, get your- to,
3: we get to do some more indians world series losses but this time we get albert bell we get uh jim Tomey, we get Manny so ramirez get Garrett wright yeah, yeah we get some to-
1: but Kenny Lofton, Manny, Manny Ramirez. No,
3: Kenny Lofton was not on that team. Kenny Lofton got traded. Oh, that's a shame. Kenny Lofton. Yeah, he wasn't on this team.
1: Yeah, Kenny Lofton was exciting. But yeah, mm-hmm. we get to look forward to the 1997 Indians. Um, basically, you know, one of the staples of kind of the Indians run that never, ne- never ended up getting a World Series, unfortunately, for them. So now we are going to be deciding what – player we are going to be talking about uh next week
3: we're going to go with player number 10 player number 10
1: it is another pitcher this was his career ended uh around m- when Maddox's career started
3: so this is and, oh this is wait I think I know who it is then uh
1: a guy before is Z- it I mean there's a lot of guys you could uh you could pick
3: Okay, wait, did you just say so pitcher? His career started when Maddox is ended?
1: No, 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 no. Okay. Wait. Oh, oh, oh. I mixed my words up.
3: His okay. career
1: ended when Maddox is started. Around okay. When Maddox okay. Has much started. different era than what I was
3: thinking. I much was thinking easy Clayton Kershaw because he debuted in 08.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they were and they were teammates, oddly enough, Clayton Kershaw and Craig Maddox. But no. This is before Maddox's era. My bad. Uh and this guy also uh, joins greg maddox in, a, in an exclusive club uh winning is uh one of only four men to have four cy youngs we're talking about steve carlton next week
3: steve carlton one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time
1: yeah big part of that um era where pitching dominated uh starting pitching was a huge deal and Steve Carlton, big part of that.
3: Yeah. He was, uh, he's like a home-famer. Like, I don't think people understand how good he really was.
1: Yeah, especially in terms of, like, the count statistics. He's also one of four guys with 4,000-plus strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the count's... I think
3: he's one of three lefties with 3,000 strikeouts. I want to say it's him, Randy Johnson, and CC Sabathia.
1: Uh, yeah, must be. But, yeah, a good episode that we have... Uh to look forward to next week we have steve carlton and the 1997 indians two kind of low low key items there yeah uh, going to be a fun one going to try to bring some shed some light onto that player and that team so we hope you enjoyed part 2 of the 2016 cubs we know it was a fantastic episode uh and we we definitely know that you enjoyed this one uh we hope uh, and if you're listening on Apple podcasts and Spotify and want to watch the U- YouTube videos with us, uh, go to our YouTube channel. It is called Now with Chris Gianta and Daniel Curran. We know with the teams, we have a lot more videos. 2016 Cubs were a big example of that. going to want to hop over to YouTube. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel uh, on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at STBNL Podcast. Also, so, we would
3: like to thank we would like to thank Baseball Reference, fan graphs and also Sports Illustrated for that one little uh, thing that they had us, they had us with. This show would not have been possible without them.
1: Correct, correct. And we hope to see you on Tuesday where we're gonna be breaking down uh, MLB news, all MLB team, free agency, more things like that. And then on Thursday and Friday, we're we're going to be talking about Steve Carlton in part one of the history episode, and then
7: part two will be featuring the 1997 Indians. See you then.